Hello. Oh God, wait. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Commenter Podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. And the crime junkies are bad doing anything with what we're supposed to be doing, which I already know that's the tea. I don't even know why you're surprised anymore, because <laughs> we're just doing whatever comes to us. But yes, um, on this lovely February afternoon, I hope you remember to drink your water, put on your sunscreen, and wear a mask as we take you into another mini-sode for the week. This week, we're doing Marin's Top 10 Documentaries. Tori is not a documentary girly. Sometimes I'll watch them, but mm-hmm. most of the time I'm just like not. I don't know. I guess I like reading my information rather than hearing it. Even mm-hmm. though I'm an audio list, like audio learner, when mm-hmm. it comes to school, so documentaries aren't usually my type. But I like listening to people talk about them. Mm-hmm. Like if I can get like a recap of what happened in a documentary, I prefer that than actually mm-hmm. watching the documentary. And um, as you know, if you don't know why we're called the Crime Junkies, we're both. Um, crime like true crime fans and it's not that we like um murder or anything (laughs) it's like we like interesting stories we like listening to victims we like and um um amplifying their stories um we're not fans of killers or anything like that we're not a bristophiliacs um if you don't know what a hybristophiliac is a hybristophiliac is someone you know those people that have like fan accounts like jeffrey Dahmer and shit yeah that's a hybristophiliac (laughs) we are not those (laughs) We are not those. If you're looking for people who like that, because we're called the Crime Junkies, you have found the wrong podcast, my friend. Um, But today we're going to sit here and enjoy Marion telling us about her 10 favorite documentaries. Have you always been a documentary person, Marion? Um, I don't think so. But in the last, definitely when the pandemic started, I started getting really, really into them. Um, at first it was mostly, um, true crime documentaries along with true crime podcasts. That's definitely fallen off right now. Mm. I don't necessarily mm. listen to them as much. Um, the, the scammers though. Oh, they got a hook on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I, I just, there's something and I'll talk about it here. There's something about, um, the fact that I am a terrible liar. Like lying mm-hmm. makes my stomach going nuts. I hate it. And these people are lying to hundreds of people. And I'm just like, how? How is, that, how is that even possible for you to just continuously lie and have, some of these people don't even have anything to back it up. Just off, mm. and people are believing them off uh, what they're saying. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, definitely when the pandemic started, I started watching them more. And that's why we're going to have this episode. Ooh, yay. So are we starting with number 10? Yeah, we're gonna start with number ten. Um, I did not put these in order of okay. like number one being my. F- I didn't put them in order, but number one is my favorite pod, my favorite um documentary. Okay. Um. Okay. So, I will read the title of the documentary, give a description of it from either a website or from wherever I got it from, and then a little bit of mm. what I think about the documentary. Okay. So at number t- number ten is the Fire Festival documentary. Oh. Um, if you remember a couple years ago, it was released on Hulu and Netflix. I am talking about the uh, Netflix one. Mm-hmm. I don't find the Hulu one engaging at all. Um, mm. But the, if you have not heard about, the, um, heard about the Fire Festival documentary, this description comes from tvguide.com. Um, Fire, which is 
the name of the documentary spelled F-Y-R-E, gives you Mm -hmm. an insider's look into the actual making of the festival, including interviews with event producers, bookers, and strategists. Chris Mm -hmm. Smith's version of events paints a vivid picture of the planning process and the many issues that plague the over-leveraged festival in the weeks and months leading up to the event. If you're hoping for a tell-all expose on the disturbing details about the festival's wild spending, bribery, um, and the subsequent frantic damage control, this documentary is definitely more your pace. So, um, (laughs) first of all, there's a sentence in here that you really need to pay attention to. This was Mm -hmm. supposed to be a music festival. And if you've ever, I've never been to one, but you hear about it all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. um, Coachella is a really popular one. And you know that it takes a long time to make this. Why is Uh a sentence on here the weeks and months leading up to this event? That's how you should have known that this was going downhill. Um, Yeah, literally, I think they had like somewhere around three months to set up. Three months? Yes, three months. (laughs) And nothing. It's insane. Um, (laughs) Because when the people who had paid for the event, the... um, people were going to the event went there basically nothing had been set up there were <laughs> nothing's gonna get done in three months on an yeah, island in the middle yeah, of the ocean oh my god poor it was insane there were um there were people in this documentary who were part of the team and they talked about mm-hmm. how one of like he would not listen uh, what's his name i for mcfarland i think is his last name I'm not 100 percent sure I have to check on that. Um, he would not listen to reason, and one of the things one of the guys said is, "You're not giving enough time. That many people on the island, this island that's uninhabited, there is no plumbing. What oh are you going to do about God. that?" And what I think, what I think he fired the man. And this man was telling him that you need bathrooms for this many people, and he didn't put into the planning the um I think the budget for bathrooms. Uh-huh. Um. They had set up the website. The website had all these different um, places you can stay. And uh, the more you paid, obviously, the better it was. Um, they would have to build these places from scratch. They did mm-hmm. not exist. And, you know, essentially um, what happened is these people went, well, I don't want to spoil it for people who are interested, but nothing goes away. It's supposed to do. I mean, but most show. people know that the fire Festival was yeah, garbage. At this point, so you yeah. can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um so they had six to eight weeks to put together something that would have supposed to take a year to pull off. Um, uh-huh. The local people that he had hired were never paid um, for their time. Um, there was a woman who had used, like, I think, 50000 of her savings to cater for the event um, that ended up not working out because... Why I was think, she using her savings? What I don't know why she was using her savings, but she I guess she expected that if she were to put out... Um, and cater for this event, it would come back to her. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like it was going to help her out in the end, but it didn't. And um, essentially it was just a complete mess. People were staying on these tents that were barely put on the ground, um, uh, fighting for supplies like toilet paper. It was an absolute mess. Um, but I Wasn't definitely- there a celebrity's name attached to this? Yeah, a bunch of models. But I oh. think the models were a part of the promotion for it so yeah like um there were a couple of those like big models that were a part of this but they were just there for the promotion parts 
Um, yeah, that's but that's a number 10. <laughs> the Fire Festival. I definitely give that documentary, engagement-wise, like a good 9 out of 10. Um, Is there like a favorite... You're just... Oh, I'm oh. sorry. Is there like a favorite scene from like the documentary? Oh, it has to be the guy saying he was going to suck some dicks for some water. Oh my oh God. My that was... <laughs> I sat there shocked. <laughs> jaw drop i said this man did not just say this <laughs> this is not oh, on no. tv that was probably um the most shocking part of the whole thing that and the um the plumbing yeah um that he was not thinking about so Oof. at number nine we have wild wild country uh this description is from imdb.com um, when Osho, the world's most controversial guru, builds an, a, a utopian city deep in Oregon country, conflict with the locals escalates into a national scandal. Um, this is a, well, the people who are part of this did not describe them as a cult, describe themselves as a cult as they usually don't, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. they are referred to as a cult, very much like a enlightenment. From what I remember, it was like an enlighten, enlightenment spiritual kind of thing, but- mm-hmm. These people go into Antelope, Oregon, and they take over this town. And, like, they buy this property and just start building on top of it. Mm -hmm. And it's, when you watch cult documentaries, um, a lot of the times it's very much like, oh, look what these cult people are are doing. Um, They're, like, so weird or they're... um, they're just all very odd. It's definitely one of those documentaries where they show both sides of the issue for the people who live in the, in Antelope, as well as mm-hmm. the, they're referred to as Sineans, um, who are part of this group. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot happens in this documentary. I really don't like, I couldn't sit here and explain everything anywhere from mass poisoning, attempted murder and a bombing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let what me tell was the you. Most w- wildest part. Cause you just, oh, wow. That threw me off. I think, ooh, I guess, well, the mass poisoning, I don't think they were ever been able to prove. So okay. it's just in a, and there was just an outbreak of salmonella somewhere. That's all I, <laughs> and then I guess it would have to be the bombing because it came out of nowhere. From what I remember, the Sineans were starting to take over the town and the local Uh people were starting to get fearful because um, people were starting to leave the town. So businesses were closing up and they would just open their own business in the same place. And from what I remember, I don't, there was this, I believe it was a hotel they were staying at. And I think from what the documentary said, a bomb went off in the, in the hotel and it was basically said that like, the local people did that. And that's when the tension started rising between the okay. two groups. The cult, what was their like like their saying or like their belief? Um, hold on, let me it's right here. Just to double check so I don't get it wrong. Base their guru was Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh from India. Mm-hmm. And he was basically like a spiritual teacher and a mystic. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember like the whole thing being about mm, like spirit spirituality and um like accepting others because there was this moment when um they there was this moment when they were bringing they told people to just come to their um what's it called like 
their where they had set up everything they had sent out buses and random people would just get on these buses to head to their place it was a bunch of like people maybe some homeless people or people who just didn't have any um mm. that wanted to have a different lifestyle and so they would just bring them in but it led to it led to some issues because they didn't have the ability to, to watch or take care of that many people mm. um but yeah it was insane um i think it's a docu-series. It's definitely not um, It's not a, doc- a documentary like a movie. But mm-hmm. I'd give it a try if you're interested in, like, cult stories from the 80s, I think, is when it was set up. The 80s or the 70s? What I tell Listen, you how many cults? I, what was going on? How Crack. Are you okay? Okay, that's what was going on. <laughs> are you okay? People are around back then. Y'all, y'all good? I- oh my goodness <sighs> okay number seven number seven at number seven we have crime scene the vanishing at the cecil hotel this is on netflix mm. um description is from the rollingstone.com a four-part netflix series from director joe berlinger who also did conversations with a killer the ted bundy tapes that i believe is also on netflix about the oh, death Jesus of 20 <laughs> i didn't i was not gonna watch that one I'm, i have never watched any serial yeah. killer interview <laughs> about the death of 21 year old eliza lamb at the budget hotel in downtown los angeles with a history of murder suicides and overdoses so yes. this is a very popular already, crime scene yeah. case yeah if you've you have probably already heard about the Eliza Lamb story, um, mm-hmm. the first time I heard about it was on BuzzFeed's. Um, what was it? Their mystery. Um, their, um, BuzzFeed Unsolved. BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yeah, yeah that was the for first those, time I ever heard it. For those who don't know, Eliza Lamb is a um, she's Asian, right? She's an Asian yes, woman I believe so. who was. Yeah. Um, who was at the Cecil Hotel, and there's famous or those well-known CCTV footage of her, which seems like she's talking to somebody, and then her body is found in the water tank of the hotel a few weeks after her disappearance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, but essentially, this documentary, um, provides interviews some of the people who are staying at the hotel at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um. And it gives more of a background to the Cecil Hotel. Like, I really, I didn't know that it was a budget hotel. Um, it talks about, they interviewed the per, the manager at the time. I don't know if she's still the manager, but they interviewed the woman that was a manager at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about how, so basically, like, they wanted to, like, renovate that hotel. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of the hotel was to provide a place um, for people to stay who necessarily don't have a steady income or can't, you know, can't pay for a room at a, like a nice hotel or anything, you know, kind of right. on the cheaper end. And so it was so wild about how they built a separate reception area for the people that were um, um, hotel guests, but then they couldn't mm. separate like the, they couldn't separate the what's it called the elevators like people had to go on the same elevators Mm -hmm. so it was this weird contrast of which they were renovating it to make it look a little nicer but at the same time it's like you know anybody could come in you did you know it wasn't necessarily from what i remember from the documentary the safest place to be at it was cheap though yeah okay personal question do you think it was self-harm or do you think somebody did something (sighs) honestly it's uh, 
I guess I think somebody did something because you remember how they said she didn't have any of her clothes, right? Right, she didn't have her clothes that, on, and the water tank yeah. is too heavy for one person to lift by themselves. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that's not possible. That doesn't make any right. sense. Right. Um, so yeah, what about you? I also think somebody. I don't think it's anything supernatural. A lot of people like yeah. to be like, "Oh, it was a ghost" or anything like that. I think yeah. that Eliza Lamb probably wasn't in her best, in her wellness and of mind, but like. Mm-hmm. For a woman her size to be found in a water tank? Yeah. Like, how did... First of all, how did she get up there? Like, there has to be... There had to be somebody who had done something. hmm Especially if they yeah. said, like... It, by fact, she simply could not have opened it by herself. That alone lets me know. Like, were there tools around that she could have possibly used? No. So that alone lets me know that somebody... It could not have been um, yeah. just her. Yeah. Unless the water tank was already open, but even then, why was it? Yeah, then why, why was, was it open? open? Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. okay. Number six. Uh, number. Uh. Oh, number seven. Wait. Oh, number seven. Number six. Yeah, number seven. At oh. number seven, I have the movies that made us. This description is from Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. From the producers of The Toys That Made Us comes this docu series that takes you behind the scenes to show you how some classic films were made. Each episode Ooh. focuses on a specific movie, telling the tale of how it was made from the beginning to end. Each episode starts out discussing the origins of the featured film, moving on to talk about the actual production of the flick, including obstacles and detours along the way, before finishing with the discussion of the impact in the movie the movie had upon its eventual release. The movie discusses um, the movies discussed include such blocks blockbusters as Die Hard and Ghostbusters. Mm. Um, as someone like me who really doesn't know what what it really takes to make make a movie, doesn't know the behind right. the scenes, mm-hmm. this it's a docu series. Um, is very fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of my favorite episodes were the ones on Dirty Dancing, Pretty Woman, and Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Um, let me look at my notes. I bet the Jurassic Park one was fun. Oh yeah, my favorite one is the Dirty Dancing one. Like. Dirty Dancing budget was six million. Jesus, and six million, nothing, <laughs> nothing. They came, they made two hundred thirty thirteen million in the box office. Whew. I said, oh, mind you, mind you, um, you learn about how the main cast necessarily wasn't like, um didn't really like each other or mm-hmm. you learn about who could have been potentially cast for that role um how long it took to make the movie once mm-hmm. again dirty dancing they had 43 days to make this movie 43 43 days. that's what yeah i sat there i said oh i feel the stress I was oh, yeah. like, what what is it what if it was like 80s, 90s movies that have co-stars that hated each other that did well? Because Titanic <laughs> like, was like that. Because Leonardo DiCaprio, what's her face? They didn't like each other, but that movie, that's the movie you still talked about. I yeah, exactly. And um, what was another thing? It was talking about you can and you can obviously tell Dirty Dancing was one of my favorite ones. They were talking about how not until the very end of the movie did they even have the songs they were going to include in it. You know, the little, you, know the little, you know the little metronome? I think the one that uh-huh. goes back and forth? That's what they use to dance. <laughs> I want you to think about the fact that they have 43 days to make this movie and they had to learn all that choreography. And no I, music was picked out. That's sad. No, until the very end. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely... Um, 
a very good movie, a very good show if you're interested in um, learning about the behind the scenes for um, what it takes to make a film. They also have um, a Christmas edition and they have one for uh, Halloween movies too, which are really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Next one is Tiger King. Um, This description (laughs) comes from uh, Wikipedia. Uh-huh. American true crime documentary streaming television series about the life of former zookeeper and convicted felon Joe Exotic. The series focuses on the small but deeply interconnected society of big cat conservationists such as Carol Baskin, owner of the Big Cat Rescue, and collectors such as Exotic, whom Baskin accused of abusing and exploiting wild animals. Um, Did you watch this one? No. I watched it through my t- timeline. <laughs> I I knew people collected big cats. I didn't realize they collected enough to have zoos that people also right. paid. Like I didn't know personal zoos were a thing in my head. That, that doesn't seem legal. You know, like it doesn't. <laughs> I, I'm like, you're, and you tell me this man just has lions and leopards and that's okay. Mm, in no. the middle of like Kansas. Like that's the crazy part. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and in my opinion, I think season one is definitely um, the better season. Season two mm-hmm. kind of like picks up from where season one left off, but it's more of a content like a wrap up kind of of his story of Joe Exotic's story. And mm-hmm. um, season one was one of those things where every episode just got more and more wild. So I think that's why season two could not compare, in my opinion. Mm hmm. But everywhere from like the and there's so much footage, the footage of I think some part of his park got destroyed by a fire. There's an image of him being literally dragged by one of the cats and hitting them in the head with his um cane. And he has to limp out. And I'm like, oh, God, All of this just <laughs> sounds incredibly awful. <laughs> it is. It's very. um. And then, you know, you have the whole story about Carol Baskin and her husband. I'm not going to get into that. At this point, everybody mm. has their own ideas on what happened there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely one of those, if you're trying to watch something that, you know, something new, something that'll keep you engaged, I would definitely recommend Tiger King. Okay. At number five, we have How to Fix a Drug Scandal. This description is also from Wikipedia. How to How fix? To a drug fix? <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Nothing being fixed. Nothing. Well, <laughs> the one Laura guy was trying, but um, How to Fix a Drug Scandal is an American true crime documentary miniseries that was released on Netflix on April 1st, 2020. The premise revolves mm. around documentary documentary filmmaker Aaron Lee Carr following the effects of crime drug lab chemists Sandra Farrakh and Annie Dokkan and their tampering with evidence and its after effects. Mm. This documentary had my like my jaw was dropped watching this one because you're ex- you just assume that you know lab chemists do their job they test the drugs you know and send mm-hmm. them out where they need to go and the idea that I'm not going to tell you which one but w- one of these women was um, lying have lying about whether or not she I believe she was even testing them like all her coworkers, maybe let's say like all her coworkers would do 30 in a day. She was doing 60. So she wasn't, she was was either not checking or she was lying Uh about having ever done them. The other woman was doing her job 
but she was using the drugs that were given to her to test. So oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, insane. Um, it's definitely alarming. Um, especially because these two situations happen at two different labs in um the state that this is in. I don't remember which state it was in, but um, it's definitely like eye opening at the same time because you there's there was a cover up like her boss like when her boss found out there's a cover up you wonder why did none of her other coworkers realize she was high on the job because as you're watching it you just realize that she's using more and more and more and more and i'm like there's no way and they address it in the documentary there was like she was not okay doing her job and why didn't anyone speak up about it are the do the races of these two women play in um one of them was white and i don't remember the race of the other woman but i don't think she was white okay yeah that sounds like a lot i'm surprised it's not (laughs) happening in more laboratories listen maybe (laughs) i don't not you know i i cannot sit here and think about that right now because (laughs) (laughs) that's honestly so scary it is it's frightening Okay, next one we have is The Way Down. This description is from the HBO website, a jaw-dropping docuseries examining the rise of the controversial Remnant Fellowship, a weight loss-based Christian church, and its charismatic late founder, Gwen Shamblin Lara. And for this, all I have to say is three things. Weight loss guru, Christian cult, and documentary. You already know. (laughs) You already know that this... um, that this documentary is honestly kind of crazy. It talks uh-huh. about the, on top of the unhealthy like connection to food that was taught to these people that were part of this program in this right. group, there was also this teaching of like how women need to obey their husbands. They need to be submissive and all of this. It's, and then there was one episode about um, this couple that I believe went to jail for. Um, killing their child because they left him inside uh like you know those like trunk like oh, treasure trunk box yeah. boxes yeah Ooh. she was talking about how like if your child is being like what's it called you know if he's not listening or whatever you need to punish him and that's how they punished him and he ended up passing away like it's definitely um one of those documentaries where you don't know what's coming next it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse her hair keeps getting bigger bigger and bigger if you watch it you'll <laughs> understand um, what what decade is that? It definitely happened recently. And number three, we have Class Action Park. This description is also from the HBO website. Um, it says, grab your swimsuit, buckle up, and keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times, except if you're at Action Park, the notoriously dangerous and chaotic 1980s New Jersey water and amusement park that long ago entered the realm of myth and gave perhaps less thought to safety measures. Class Action Park explores the legend, legacy, and truth behind the world's most insane amusement park, featuring a wealth of newly unearthed and never-before-seen documents and recordings, original animation, and interviews with the people who lived it and loved it. This 90-minute nostalgia-packed documentary reveals the shocking true story behind the action park. Um, once again, people in the 80s. Are y'all, <laughs> are y'all good? <laughs> I want you to think about water parks today and then think about if it was run by 14 to 18 year olds. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> now imagine it, it's like, now imagine less rules. And that's what this is. 
basically when I watched this documentary, the energy I was getting from it, this park was, why not? Who's going to stop us? You know, Um, (laughs) the whole whole park was run by basically teenagers. Some of the people that were uh, like running these rides were 14 years old. And yeah, it was like one of the, apparently it's one of those things where, um, you people knew it was dangerous and that was part of the fun um and basically people would go in and if you broke your nose dislocated body parts or lost teeth it was like yeah it's been it's been a day at action park oh that's insanity yeah the 80s were wild (laughs) listen that's what i'm getting (laughs) these documentaries like i remember there's this one where he built this ride and then paid the kids. It was either a dollar or ten dollars to go and test it out. Um, oh, what? First, yeah, they first. I believe, from what I remember, he tested out with a dummy. The dummy came out ripped apart. Then they fixed it, and the kids went inside it, and the kids would come out with like lacerations on their arms. I'm sorry. What kind of ride is this? That the dummy <laughs> like is a, being ripped apart. A, it it's was, not a slide. Anything. It right? is, it's one of those slides where you go in and there's a loop and then you come out into like the pool kind of area uh-huh. in a water park. But the way people were going so fast, this is, not, this is not the dummy. So when people would come out, some of the kids would have like lacerations on their arm. And is that the right word? Yeah, the little cuts mm-hmm. on their arm. And mm-hmm. the reason why is when they went in, they were some of the kids were hitting their heads so hard on the inside of this ride that their teeth had been stuck on the right oh. and the inside and these kids were coming oh out from God. cuts from that i said oh you know you already know when i'm saying this that some illegal stuff was going on because oh absolutely <laughs> and like, i said what and y'all just kept going back okay oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> um and number two we have generational hustle this description is also from the hbo website um how far would you go for power, fame, and fortune? Generational Hustle features outrageous and high-stakes news stories about br- brilliant and brazen young individuals, some of whom go too far by pulling off the most widely inventive scams of our time, showcasing ripped-from-the-headline stories of unbashed ambition. This shocking and sometimes comic docuseries explores a no-holds-barred no quest for riches and status in the age of social media. Okay. Earlier... When I talked about how I'm someone who's terrible at lying, this is this is the kind of documentary that I just sit there with eyes wide open at. Um, mm. It's about, I believe, eight episodes in which they talk about these different scams that people had. Out of the eight, they do talk in the documentary. They talk to two of the people that were that did this scam. Episode one, like I'll tell you about one of them. Episode one is basically about this scheme in which they would send people who are part of the movie industry, like um, script mm-hmm. writers, actors, even had some photographers, and mm-hmm. send them on this like trip to Indonesia that goes nowhere. Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. What? Um, <laughs> they just end up losing their money. And even when it comes to money part, I'm from what I remember, this person wasn't even asking them for like, 10,000, 30,000, like that's not how much money they were losing. They were losing maybe like a couple of thousands, which I guess to them, to the people who lost is a lot. Mm -hmm. And they would just go to Indonesia, be riding all around and nothing happens. That's Um, insane. 
I believe this one also talks about the WeWork scandal and um, the Anna Delve, which I think Netflix just released a documentary on um, scandal. So it's just a bunch of different scammers. There's a guy in there who moves to his town and creates a company and lies that he used to work for Google. It, People, <laughs> you would think that they would use your brain. All You have the smarts to scam people. You yeah. could actually use that to do an actual job. But yeah. instead, you're out here being a manipulator. It be just being a manipulator. And then you get caught in what? You got to run out of town. You're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. And at number one, we have Crime of the Century. This description is from HBO. This is a two-part documentary. Um, directed by Emmy and Academy Award winner Alex Gibney, who's uh, also did HBO's The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley, and Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief. The Crime of the Century is a searing indictment of Big Pharma and the political operatives and government regulations that enable overproduction, reckless distribution, and mass abuse of synthetic opiates. Exploring the origins, extent, and fallout of one of the most devastating public health tragedies of our time, with half a million deaths from overdoses this century alone, the film reveals that America's opioid epidemic is not a public health crisis that came out of nowhere. With the help of whistleblowers, newly leaked documents, and exclusive interviews, sobering testimony from victims of opioid addiction and access to behind-the-scene investigation, Gibney's expose pauses that drug companies are in fact largely responsible for manufacturing the very crisis they profit from to the tune of billions of dollars and thousands of lives. Yeah. Ooh. This one, you know how you've, like, I've always heard that we are currently in an opioid epidemic, but I don't mm -hmm. think I realized how bad it actually was until I started watching this documentary especially when you start listening to the testimony of former addicts and how mm. like the introduction of Oxycontin and how they basically lied about how addictive it, it is. There's this one guy on there who was told to take 50 pills a day, a day huh? from yeah. a, from a doctor. Yes. I was listening to this. I said, first of all, how are you here to talk about this? How many years were you even doing this for? And it was like a high, high dose of it too. Oh, whew. yeah. It's definitely one of those, um, you like you leave this documentary feeling angry and just like, because they are getting money at the cost of people's lives, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, this is definitely my favorite document that I've watched in the past two years. I don't want to go too much into it because there's a lot of information in it and I don't want mm -hmm. to say anything wrong but i definitely think it's a very important documentary to watch if you've never if you don't realize how bad the opioid opioid epidemic is in the u.s and and that's it did you like Oof. any of these i mean i'm interested in the movie ones oh yeah the cult ones are always interesting to me because i'm mm -hmm. like how was there that many cults in one specific decade? Like, I don't know yeah. what the fuck was wrong with the 80s and 70s. It was a decade of serial killers. <laughs> it was a decade of crack cocaine. It was a decade of cults. The all the 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 the, the what the witch scares, the witch trials. Mm -hmm. I don't know how y'all motherfuckers are alive. How about I'm that? Like, <laughs> all of y'all need to be in therapy. Every last one of y'all. And also, here's the thing that really the one about the Wild Wild Country 2 is like and this might be true for a lot of documentaries, it wasn't even, like, wealthy, like, well-to-do people were getting It's never this. wealthy it's people. Nev 
Huh? It's never wealthy people usually. Yeah, like it wasn't like um like these people weren't like extremely rich or whatever, but it also wasn't poor people were not getting into this um into this cult. It's just, you know, everyday mom and dads leaving their uh-huh. entire families just going into this um into this cult in Oregon. It's that's insanity. That is insanity. Thank you so much. Marin for sharing said insanity <laughs> with us. I hope you guys um let us know if you go like watch any of these documentaries after you listen to this podcast. You know, you can always come and ch- chat us up on um Twitter and TikTok. Um but thank you again for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget to leave a review here on Spotify, please very much. Thank you or on Apple Podcasts. Um you can hit us up again at Twitter at commented our TikTok at commented podcast. Uh until next time. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. Bye-bye. Bye.